It's time to talk Super Bowl 56, and we've got a fantastic guest today, Jake Lisko, co-host of Locked On Bengals, to break down what's going on with those Cincinnati Bengals and how they stack up in Super Bowl 56 versus the Los Angeles Rams. And of the 15 Hall of Fame finalists, which five does Matt Williamson think should get enshrined? Coming up on today's episode of Peacock and Williamson. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL, getting pumped for Super Bowl 56 get into it with today's guest joining us now live from radio row is jake lisco he's co-host of locked on bangles we are getting into this super bowl 56 matchup and one of my favorite folks to talk to we did a little crossover with locked on 49ers and locked on bangles earlier this year and i've seen your numbers by the way with your youtube channel and the podcast numbers uh, overtaking us for the number one spot on the network with this run for the Bengals. So congratulations on all that success, by the way, Jake. Thanks, Brian. Turns out uh, the people like when their favorite team yeah. goes to the Super Bowl. And when that happens, they like to uh, listen to content about their favorite team going to the Super Bowl. I, I've been con- I've been accused so many times of being negative on purpose about the 49ers because it's better for clicks or whatever. And I try to tell people, no. The best thing for me financially, personally, (laughs) is if the 49ers are winning. I I need them to win. It helps me out. So, yeah, uh, and and it's awesome that that you guys are riding that wave and uh, you're going to stay there because your content is so good. So fantastic stuff that you and uh, James are doing over there at Lockdown Bengals. Appreciate it, man. That, That means a lot. Well, Jay, congrats on the podcast numbers. Congrats on your team in the Super Bowl. So much to unpeel here, and we haven't dug into matchups all that much quite yet on our show, but I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, it's pretty clear that down the stretch here, they've handed the keys to the car to Burrow. They become more pass-centric. Does that keep up on Sunday? I think it has to. I think that they haven't really been able to run the ball in a way that's going to win them football games if that is the foundation of the offense. That said, against this sort of defensive line matchup, and I'm sure we'll talk about the trenches a lot because that's all I hear here at Radio Row is Joe Burrow's been sacked a hundred times, and how is he possibly going to win dealing with that offensive line? But the thing is, he keeps doing it, right? But it's you're right. They they've handed the keys to Burrow. The offense is running through Burrow, but you know you can even go back to the Chiefs game against the Kansas City Chiefs of all teams. They're running the ball on first down. And I think that there's still a tendency in this coaching staff to use the run game to try to help their offensive line out a little bit, try to make it so that they're not entirely one-dimensional, give that beat of hesitation at times to defensive line. So we'll still see the run game, of course, and we'll still see Mm -hmm. some run game on early downs if it looks anything like it did against the Chiefs. But by and large, the offense is going to go through Burrow. And clearly the number one matchup that you think about when I, when looking at this game, and it's the number one matchup I've been ta- thinking about, talking about when breaking down 
Bengals, Rams. We saw Burrow get sacked nine times. You just mentioned it. Sounds like you're not as worried about that matchup with the Rams front against the Bengals offensive line and Joe Burrow dropping back. Um, it looked much better in the championship week than it did the week before as far as sack numbers of Joe Burrow. Is it as simple as they have to block better or they have to block really, really well for the Bengals to win this game? Or can they go out and win a game where Burrow gets sacked You know, a handful of times? I think they can win a game when he gets sacked a handful of times. I think repeating a performance where you win a game when he gets sacked nine times is challenging. They had three yeah. takeaways in that game, and that helped. And what was the first or second time that a quarterback's been sacked nine times in a playoff game and won the game? It just doesn't happen that often. And it's not that I'm not concerned about Aaron Donald. That would be that would be just foolish, I think, right? To say, yeah, Aaron Donald won't impact the game at all. He He's not the best defensive player in football right now, or to dismiss, you know, a future hall of famer in Von Miller or a guy who's having a great year in Leonard Floyd. And I think it would be equally foolhardy to say that, you know, suddenly the offensive line for the Bengals is going to block when they haven't really done that in this postseason. Like even against the chiefs, it was better from a sack numbers perspective. They still were pressured. Burrow was pressured about 40% of the time. And he's out there breaking tackles from Chris Jones in the backfield to extend plays. So, you know, it's still going to be a factor. To me, it's more how do the Bengals work around it, right? How do they find the quick game, the screen game, the vertical shots if they're there and and really game plan around it and find ways to, to move the ball in offense while knowing that's the case. And they do know that's the case. And it's not really as simple as slide Donald or slide the offensive line to Aaron Donald on every play, but also maybe it kind of is. Yeah, and... The Rams know that, though. I mean, yeah, people have slid definitely. protections to Aaron Donald for every snap for the last you know five, six years, which is why you go get a Vaughn Miller and put him where they're sliding away from. You know, I mean, and, and we'll get into that stuff. But I, I want to talk yeah. Burrow a little bit from this perspective in that he is special. I think his mental makeup is special. And if we, we rewind to a controversy that just seems so long ago, Hey, Joe, do you want Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell? I'm sure he's saying, give me the playmaker. I'll take the hits. I'll handle the, the burden of protection. I just want guys that make plays. But at what point is it too much? You know what I mean? They're like, what's the breaking point? Well, I mean, I don't think we're talking about the breaking point this week. You know, it, it is what it is at this point. They're in the Super Bowl, right? You just... Mm -hmm. Do anything you can to win, but you're right that in the offseason, I think it's a priority. But going That's back to the where decision, going. Within, like, I'm going to be very critical of the Bengals if they don't add two or three offensive line starters. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that's probably fair. I don't think that there's much debate. Like they lost Riley Reef, and now it's a backup right tackle who sure. is not a starter level player, and right guard has been a disaster. I would say that the other three spots have been okay. But the right side has really been magnified, especially right guard. Okay. You know, Trey Hopkins coming off the ACL he tore last January, started off the year pretty rough in pass protection. The last 10 weeks or so has actually been okay. And I know centers don't have the hardest job in pass protection, but he's been okay. And, and the left side of Quentin Spain and Jonah Williams has been at least, you know, average, I would say. But you're right. It does need to get better on the whole. The, the offense has had to adjust, and they've hidden the offensive line in a big way. I would say through these right, adjustments, right. like the intermediate part of their passing game has not really been featured in the last couple of weeks in the playoffs. And that's because they know they can't block for it. 
I want to stick on the Joe Burrow conversation for just a second because there's something that's uh, very important to me that's been going on, and I've been talking about it on this podcast, talking about it on some other podcasts recently, um, and it it pertains to just the flat out laziness of nicknames being thrown out there in in the world, but especially the sporting world. Like uh, there was a tweet yesterday where somebody called Aaron Rodgers a Rod, and it's like, dude, first of all, Alex Rodriguez is a Rod, <laughs> and that was 1993, and it was a bad nickname then. So can we can we have a little bit more originality? Try a little harder with some nicknames here, and even more personally to me, hearing people call Joe Burrow Joe Cool, that is. A non-starter. That cannot happen. There was one Joe Cool already. It was <laughs> Joe cool. Montana. That is taken. You're not going to start calling Joe Mixon sweetness or something, right? Uh, the nickname <laughs> that nickname is taken. Joe Cool is taken. Joey B is lazy. So what can we do about Joe Burrow's nickname going forward? We're talking about a Super Bowl quarterback here. He he deserves a better nickname. You, you don't like Joe Shiesty? Okay, uh, I'm, I'm okay. I like that. Joe Shiesty is good. What's the origin of that? That's Trap House Sports, the depressed <laughs> Dallas Cowboys fan who has adopted the Cincinnati Bengals for the playoff run. He's he's a TikTok guy, does great, hilarious commentary of game highlights. Yeah, he's come up with a couple of really good Joe Burrow nicknames, including the Joe Burr with the rolled R that you've heard. That's, That's what I was going to throw out there. It's okay. Yeah, it's good. Better in print than it is in you know vocally, though. Yeah, and I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good when you roll the R, though. And I just yeah. I just can't roll my R's. We, we are in the day and age where you kind of need a nickname that you say out loud and a nickname that looks good in print because there's a lot happening in the so, world in print. So just just really quick on the Joe Cool thing. Like, I understand it's taken, but as an homage, because people are drawing parallels when they use that nickname for Burrow to Joe Montana, I think, right? And, right. and that's kind of what's going on there, if it's, right? If it's an homage, it makes more sense, and I think it's accurate. I think there's a lot of parallels with young Joe Burrow, what it looked like for Joe Montana in, in 1981, right? Is that what we're seeing, the beginning of a dynasty here for the Bengals? In some ways, it feels almost like they, they arrived a little earlier than expected. Did they arrive too early? Are they not ready to win now? And if you have that, and, and I've seen parallels not only with Joe Burrow, but the the Joe Montana, Jerry Rice with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I think we do have to pump the brakes on some of that stuff. You know, it's blasphemy to a certain degree. But I do see a lot of those qualities in Joe Burrow where it's like, oh, yeah, I don't really the height, weight, speed. There's something that is extra that you can't really quantify with Joe Burrow. And that's where it was with Joe Montana. And when young kids go back and they say, who's the greatest quarterback of all time? They don't land on Joe Montana ever. Because there was not that wow factor, there was not that one big thing, and it, and it happened. We always got to bring it back to the Niners. Around it's very, here, right? it's it's important, Matt. It's it's the league wouldn't exist without the San Francisco 49ers in the 1980s and 1990s. So we've got to well, talk Aaron about. Aaron Donald these reminds me of Joe Green. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Real quick though, I do want to throw one thing on there. The thing that reminds me about Montana with Burrow is again the height, weight, speed, hand size, all that stuff isn't there. But when everyone's hearts are beating a little faster, those guys are beating a little slower. Yep, that's it. That's the it's, cool thing. It's like Patrick Mahomes when, when he had the heart rate monitor. He's on the sideline watching his defense. His heart rate's up. He goes out on the field. His heart rate drops. I'd love to get that data on Joe Burrow, too. I bet it never changes. Absolutely. That's 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 where the cool comes from, right? And that's right. where the homage comes from. That's why it's all tied together. The funny thing with Burrow, too, is that he's he's not that cool, but he 
he's confident enough in whatever he's doing off the field too in interviews. Because I look at Joe Burrow and I was like, he's guy's kind of a dork, right? But he plays it off in a way that he acts cool about it and confident about it, and it makes him cooler for it. Does that make sense? He's in. He's incredibly confident and yeah. he owns who he is. You know, he, he doesn't really care what you think about his SpongeBob socks. He likes them and he's going to wear them. I mean, people ask him about his style all the time. Right. And he's just like, I just wear what I feel good. in. I wear what I, what I like. And then the whole city of Cincinnati goes and buys it. <laughs> That's awesome. More with Jake Lisco coming up and Matt Williamson's hall of famers in the 2022 class. Next. There might be less football being played, but, BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season, from scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. I mean, BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Jake Lisko of Locked On Bengals with us here. Jake, how many carries are, is Jamar Chase going to get? Start to see Jamar Chase get the ball in some interesting ways. Is he going to be followed by number five? Do you need to move him around, maybe hand him the ball in the backfield a little bit just to get him away from that and try to get your best playmaker the ball? Yeah, you know, they have been moving him around. They've been putting him in the backfield a little bit, doing some orbit motion stuff with him. They've been just putting him in jet motion as well. And and I think that'll continue this week. It's It's become part of the offense and he has taken some of those jet sweeps too so how many carries will he get in the super bowl i would put the over under at like one and a half would, would be my personal feeling you know I, it could be too they, they've gone to games where jet sweep has been a bigger part of their game and they've gone to games where it's been you know one instead jake what do you think about the other side of the ball i i was very impressed with the team defense aspect of the bengals especially against the chiefs the scheme has been well you know, brought up time and time again about dropping eight and switching from zone to man and, you know, single high, even though you had, you know, eight in coverage at times. And I'm curious how they handle the Rams because like Mahomes, Stafford kills the blitz. And I do think Cincinnati can rush four, probably not three, and get to them at times. But what worries you? I mean, what's the cup matchup? You know, what kind of strategies do you expect from the defense? I've actually honestly had a hard time getting a bead on what exactly I think Lou Anarumo is going to do in this game because he's been such a chameleon. Like there's been yeah, new wrinkles great. or in, entirely new looks in the last few weeks. You go back to the the Titans game and they're in 5-1 fronts. They're in bare fronts the whole game. They have a 1,000 pounds between the tackles with their multiple – very large interior defensive players, and they do a good job of bottling up Derrick Henry, and that's led by standout nose tackle DJ Reader, who in that game was actually playing a lot of three-tech because they had 350-pound Tyler Shelvin, their fourth-round pick, playing nose tackle in that game. So it's a lot of beef. I mean, that obviously doesn't work against the Rams, right? They're going to be an 11 personnel lot in this game, especially with Tyler Higby looking doubtful to play, according to Sean McVay yesterday or a couple days ago now. And so... 
That's not the answer, obviously. But drop eight obviously isn't an answer either because where Andy Reid, that's a bet on his tendency to not run the ball. That's a bet on we don't believe you're going to run the ball. Sean McVay, despite what has happened to his running game in recent weeks, won't shy away from running the ball if he sees that you're not covering up two gaps and you're just going to say, you know what, run the ball. And we, we dare you. We're going to drop eight. We're not going to cover up two gaps. We're going to drop eight. And, and that won't work against Stafford either. So there's going to be something between the two. They're going to have to have something special for Cup, especially on those weak side option routes. Like, I, I don't actually know what the answer is for that when they go five wide and put Cup on the two receiver side. And you have three guys over there. They run a vertical. You have the safe, the deep safety responsible for the vertical. Like, that's going to be a challenge. But go back to 2019, Mike Hilton against Cooper Cup. Different Cooper Cup player then. Mike Hilton did a great job against Cooper Cup in that game. Really had him bottled up. So we'll see what happens there. Cooper Cup, obviously a great player. Kind of expect him to get his. But I'm excited to see what Lou Anarumo does because you're right, Matt. He, he's been phenomenal in this postseason run at, at being adaptable and not being stubborn, which you see so frequently around the NFL on both sides of the ball. But I feel like defensive coordinators have a worse reputation for this, where it's like, we're going to do what we do, and so be it if we get burned. You know, We're going to yeah, dance with yeah. the girl that brung us. I'm glad you brought up DJ Reader, and I do think that there is an element of both teams that will hope to and, and might successfully make the opposing offense a little bit one-dimensional. We, we might see the ball slung all over. Uh, SoFi Stadium and uh, a lot of people taking a lot of overs in this Super Bowl looking at those props and, and Matt and I will go over the props a little bit closer on Friday's episode but another unsung hero and I'm sure not locally in the Cincinnati area everyone knows and loves Jesse Bates but I think nationally the coverage of how good Jesse Bates is is um, th there's just not enough coverage not enough talk about Jesse Bates and to me he's the x-factor in this game if Jesse Bates gets his hands on Matt Matthew Stafford throws which Matthew Stafford tends to throw balls to the other team and Jesse Bates is really good at taking the ball away I mean we might see uh, a, a safety who's Super Bowl MVP type level of impact in this game if Jesse Bates can go take the ball away he's my Dark Horse Super Bowl MVP pick, Jesse Bates, go win this game. Go take away those Matthew Stafford YOLO balls. And he's done that in the playoffs, right? Jesse Bates has been on another level in these playoffs. He's looking a lot more like he did last year in coverage where he's making a lot of plays on passes in the air, erroneous passes, as you mentioned, Brian. And you're right. The, the thing that, you know, I was listening to Ollie Connolly with Robert Mays on The Athletic the other day. We talked to Robert Mays for, for Locked On Bengals on Radio Row here yesterday, too. And one of the things the Bengals defense has done well in the playoffs, and you really saw it against Mahomes, is they're causing that extra beat of hesitation. For, yeah. for some yeah. reason or another, Mahomes is, is hurrying when he actually has time to let something develop in that game in the second half, and he's holding the ball to, to try to let something open up because that's his tendency. And if they can get Matt Stafford to take that extra beat, and throw those YOLO balls, as you said, because it's, it's such a part of his game. You like He's such a dynamic passer of the football, but the accuracy can be erratic at times, and the decision-making, sometimes he just thinks he can fit a ball in that he can't. And so if the Bengals can do that to Stafford in this game and, and cause that beat of hesitation to let their players close windows and, and break on footballs in the air, that could be a massive X factor in this game. So you talk about Jesse Bates, and I look at it on the other side of like, what version of Matt Stafford are we going to get? That was my question in the AFC Championship game. What version of Mahomes are we going to get? Playoff buzzsaw Mahomes or regular season early 2021 Mahomes, who's a little bit mistake prone, and they got both. So it'll be interesting to see what version of Stafford the Bengals defense has to defend this weekend.
take it a step further with this defense. I feel like the Bengals were searching for linebackers forever. And I really yeah. think Logan Wilson is a guy. I mean, that they finally have a stabilizing force there on the second level. You know, we mentioned Bates, but him and Von Bell, they, and more I've studied the Bengals defense, they ask a lot out of Bell. So those were two guys that don't get a lot of publicity too, that are really important players. Yeah, the, the only issue that you might have with Von Bell is that, you know, he gets magnified when he ends up like man-on-man -man with a good tight end, and the Bengals have faced every elite tight end in the NFL this year. So he's been on the wrong side of some highlight reels. But you're right, Von Bell is an incredibly important part of the defense for the Cincinnati Bengals. Versatile piece, they're comfortable putting him high, they're comfortable putting him in the box. He's a good run defender, he's a great tackler. And, and I think that, you know intangible warning for people that like their X's and O's and on the field stuff. Von Bell, incredible leader for this team, incredibly hard worker. The day after the AFC championship game, he was in the facility at 6 a.m. ready to work, you know, got back home in the building the next day at 6 a.m. So a lot of respect for Von Bell, his mindset, very Zen mindset as well, which I personally really enjoy. But yeah, I mean, versatile piece that so they're comfortable aligning all over the football field and, you're right. They do ask their safeties to do a lot. And I think that's a big reason that the secondary, which built largely from free agency, has come together and been such a cohesive unit is that these safeties can do so much and move around so much. Yeah. Last question for you here, Jake. And we got to let you go because I know you have tons of responsibilities there in L.A. at Radio Row. And we appreciate the time this morning. Uh, well, it's morning for me here on the West Coast. Matt's uh, on the East Coast and hanging out and, and about to have lunch. But... A two-pronged question here, and I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, and I want to hear your take on is because when teams arrive, they always arrive so fast in the NFL, and it, and right. it happened warp speed for the Bengals. Did they get? Are, are they here too soon? Did they? Did they jump the gun a little bit? Are they this team that's a juggernauts go win a Super Bowl against a, a a team that is you know mercenary in a lot of ways, and it has so many resources put into their football team? And the second part of that question is how much credit does Zach Taylor get in all this? Because there were Bengals fans that were calling for him to get fired not that long ago, and now he's got his team in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Zach Taylor and Duke Tobin both deserve a lot of credit, I think. And and Lou Anarimo was the defensive coordinator. We talked a lot about that defense just now. The defensive coordinator was the guy that, looking at this team, we thought if there was going to be a sacrificial lamb and they need to cut one of their big three coaches, if they if they weren't going to just go with an entirely new regime, was going to be Lou Anarumo. And then, you know, you credit him for turning it around. You credit Zach Taylor for working his way with this offense and, and finding a way to become this explosive vertical team with Jamar Chase and playing to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase's strengths. So I, I do think that the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit. As far as if they're here too early, I mean, is, is that possible anymore in the NFL? You know, like, can you really be here too early? Is it a dynasty? The AFC is stacked, but... The Bengals do have a lot of resources this offseason. They also have a lot of internal guys to retain. Jesse Bates being one of those guys. So at the very worst, probably have to use a franchise tag on. But it'll be interesting to see how they use those resources. Matt said earlier he'd be very critical of the Bengals if, you know, they didn't spend some of that, some of those resources on the offensive line. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But if they do win this game, if they do win this Super Bowl, it's hard to – Look at this, and, and after the game, I'll be saying this could be the start of a dynasty if the Bengals play their cards right, but they have to play their cards right. You don't just fall into a dynasty. It takes a lot of incredibly hard work and dedication to maintain it. We saw it with the Patriots, and we've seen how hard it can be with the Chiefs. When the Chiefs 
four years ago burst onto the stage, people were ready to say, okay, this is Patrick Mahomes saying to lose for the next 10 years. And how hard has it been for him? And, and you're seeing how hard it can be in the NFL. The Bengals have been healthy this year. Things have really come together for them. And if they want to start something special, especially the way the AFC looks right now, they'll have to keep the pedal to the metal. It's amazing how differently these two teams are built in the Super Bowl, which is going to be a topic we cover on Thursday's edition of Peacock and Williamson. And man, you look at this Bengals team. Could it be dynastic? I'd bet that they're going to be better next year, and they're in the Super Bowl right now. So uh, it's a good time to be a Cincinnati Bengals fan. It's a good time to be covering the Cincinnati Bengals, doing a fantastic job. Jake Lisko, you can find him on Twitter, at Jake Lisko. Of course, he and James Rapine are doing Locked On Bengals daily uh, at Radio Row with the Locked On Rams folks, the Locked On NFL crew. Really appreciate the time, Jake, and uh, go Bengals. Thanks, guys. Do you want 15% off your next box of Built Bars? Well, I'm going to let you know in a second how to do that. Built Bars are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 100% real chocolate, 100% delicious, and some very new flavors at Built.com as well right now. How about churro puffs are back? Only 140 calories in the churro puff flavor with 17 grams of protein. Uh, we got coconut marshmallow flavor, coconut brownie chunk peanut butter my favorite raspberry mint brownie cookies and cream flavors for everyone at built.com if you're not sure what flavor to get you can get an 18 bar mix box or build your own box and choose the flavors of bars you want in your box of built bars oh yeah and you can get 15 percent off of the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar low in sugar low in net carbs yet high in protein it is good for you. You can feel good about eating Built Bars. Replace all of your snacks and all your secret snack hiding places with Built Bars and get 15% off at Built.com with promo code LOCKED15. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. NFL fans, there is an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, and it is called Get Upside. Our listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app from the App Store, Google Play, wherever you get your apps right now. And use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back with GetUpside. It's super easy. You open the app, you look at the map, you say, I'm going to get gas there. It's probably the place you're going to get gas anyway. And... You claim your cash back, it's easy. You go fill up, get gas, and that cash back goes right into your account. It's free money into your bank account for doing something you are already going to do, like get gas. Cash out anytime. No catch whatsoever. It goes right into your GetUpside account. Then you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, e-gift card, Amazon card, other brands, whatever card you want. Give a gift to somebody with the cash back you get or just buy more free gas with that cash back with the get upside app use promo code touchdown to get 25 cents or more per gallon back on your first tank that's promo code touchdown with the get upside app all right we got one holdover question from yesterday's twitter tuesday mailbag about the hall of fame but real quick matt talking to jake there is this a, is, is the cincinnati Bengals a dynasty you this is a team you face twice a year um the, the, the steelers been beating up on the Bengals for a long time are the Bengals the next dynasty in the NFL? I'm going to say no, just because of what Jake mentioned. I mean, Mahomes, Herbert, 
Allen. I mean, the conference is just littered with quarterbacks at Burroughs level or maybe above, you know, let alone Lawrence and Lamar and, you know, others that are not going to be, you know, easy to knock down year after year. And I'll be honest, pull back the curtain. I'm not sure I trust this organization, Burrow aside, to do the right things in the offseason and maintain greatness. That's a Steeler, Packer, certainly Patriot thing. To not be a flash in the pan is hard in this league. Um, but I will say, and I will say that Steeler Nation really for well over a year now has said, and I agree with this, that the Bengals are the king of the north and they're the team, especially Burrow, that everyone's most afraid of. I mean, it, people around here don't respect Lamar as much as they respect Burrow, which I don't quite understand, but I, I it, it is a, a feather in Burrow's cap, you know, no question. All right, Matt, you're a big Hall of Fame guy. I get annoyed by the Hall of Fame conversation quite a bit. So what we're (laughs) going to do here with this question from JDS, he says, would you guys be able to go through the Hall of Fame finalists and select which five you would induct with the announcement coming this week? I I have a a list right here. I have five I'm going to go with. Okay, cool. That'll be a fun exercise here to finish up today's podcast. So let's do that. I am going to read the names, and you are going to quickly talk about them, and you are going to decide which five make the Hall of Fame. Super quick. Yes. Uh, this is, I'll be honest, usually I'm on top of this stuff much more than I am. I just pulled up the list 10 minutes ago, and I will say this is a weak class. And what I mean by that is there's no, there's not even one guy in this class that everyone's going to vote for that's a Peyton Manning no-brainer. Right. No, that's a good one. And the other thing yeah. when you pull up this list that makes me feel is old. Oh, yeah. I do not, right. I do not like seeing this. Like, Jared Allen, five years, he's already been retired. And, like, I can remember when he was, you know, a rookie. Um, and, and some of these guys are a little bit older that I didn't quite remember at the beginning of their careers. But here are the 15 modern era finalists. Matt gets to choose five. It starts with Jared Allen. Kansas City Chiefs and Minnesota Vikings played uh, with the Bears a little bit as well in the Carolina Panthers, but uh, I remember the Vikings and Chiefs versions of Jared Allen the most. I don't think he's a super yeah. strong contender um, for for, for this class either. of Hall of Fame, but he's in there. Uh, Willie Anderson, longtime Cincinnati Bengal offensive tackle, finished up his career with the Baltimore Ravens. Ronde Barber, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, cover two cornerback extraordinaire. From 1997 to 2012, a long, very good career for him. Tony Baselli, who's been on this list a lot, um, he was that a really special, rare talent at offensive tackle, career cut short due to injury. Does he get in this year? Leroy Butler, safety for the Green Bay Packers, so good for so long. Members of uh, Super Bowl teams, Devin Hester, the best kick returner probably of all time. This is an interesting one because some people say, no, he's a kick returner wasn't even a very good defensive back. You can't put him in the Hall of Fame. Some people say he's the easiest one in this class. He is a no-doubt first ballot Hall of Famer. We'll see if he gets in, but so fun to watch with those Chicago Bears returning kicks for so long. Torrey Holt, wide receiver for the Rams, greatest show on turf. Andre Johnson, wide receiver for the Houston Texans, who is just a a stud since being drafted out of the University of Miami, ended his career in 2016 with the Tennessee Titans. Cups of coffee there with the Titans and Colts, but it was the the Houston Texans, Andre Johnson, that would be getting into this Hall of Fame. 
Sam Mills continues to be on the ballot. It really feels like he won't ever get in the Hall of Very Good, maybe, for Sam Mills. We'll see if Matt Williamson puts him in his Hall of Fame uh, amongst the top five. Maybe that's what some of these guys need, Matt, right? Is a weaker class with no no doubters, guys like uh, Bryant Young. And Sam Mills can find their way into the Hall of Fame. Bryant Young uh, was just one of the best, if not the best, interior defensive lineman in the NFL for a time when he was with the San Francisco 49ers. Patrick Willis, same story, but at linebacker, really took over as the best linebacker in the NFL from Ray Lewis. Uh, in the the mid late 2000s, but did retire early, which probably hurts his opportunity to get into the Hall of Fame. Reggie Wayne, long storied career for the Indianapolis Colts from 2001 to 2014. Demarcus Ware, one of the best outside edge rushers in the league. Um, and this is one of those that makes me feel old. I remember talking about him coming out of Troy, and he was a former wide receiver, super athletic, and all yep. of a sudden he climbs up the draft boards. And this is you know, the era when I really started to become a draft nerd in the, uh, the mid-2000s there, 2005 to 2013 with the Dallas Cowboys, then played a couple of years with the Denver Broncos. Zach Thomas, Miami Dolphins, inside linebacker. Again, Hall of Very Good for me. And then Richard Seymour, that prototype five technique, big defensive end for the New England Patriots has rings. That is the 15 finalists in the modern era class of 2022, Matt. Which five get in for you? Do you have any thoughts on any of these that, that don't get in for you as well? Okay, a couple things. First off, you mentioned DeMarcus Ware makes you feel old. That was the year I was in the Browns war room. You know, we had the third pick in the draft and we were battling it out between Ware versus Merriman at that point. Yes. And we ended up with a higher grade on Ware. So he was nearly a Brown of three. We just preferred Braylon Edwards. And I I love him. I think he's um, a a great, great player. Went on to even exceed those expectations. I do think there's some guys that could get in this year because there aren't, uh, you know, the slam dunks occupying five of the spots. You know, some guys that have been waiting. And I think this will be the year Baselli gets in. He's not one of my five, though. And I'll I'll get to them in one second. Specialists, and this applies to Hester, are really interesting to me in that it, when you ask me, I get in this fight all the time on Steeler Nation Radio because, of course, everyone around here hates Justin Tucker. But when I say future Hall of Famer <laughs> Justin Tucker, everyone goes crazy. How can you put him in over Alan Fanica or a guard or a safety or whatever? And I get that point. But... When you ask me, there's two questions. Is Justin Tucker a Hall of Famer? I say yes. Is he one of the five versus these other 15? That's a different conversation. And that also applies to Hester to me. So in this class, I think Hester goes. He's the best returner I've ever seen. And I think maybe in the history of the game, maybe going back to Gail Sayers. So if you're that exceptional, I think you have to get in. So here's my five. Hester that I would pick. Hester, Andre Johnson, Demarcus Ware, your boy Willis, who I've been lobbying for for a couple years now, and Richard Seymour, who I've been lobbying forever, but I don't think we'll ever get in just because he's a 3-4 defensive end without any stats. I mean, he's a hard guy to lobby for behind the scenes. I think Baselli will be one of the five, and he's not on my list. And this is where, for me, the conversation for Hall of Fame usually should be pretty easy. So I think Hall of mm-hmm. Fames tend to get too big rather than not enough guys go in. Um, for me, the the question usually is, was this guy the best at his position? Because those are the guys that you want to be in the Hall of Fame. And Devin right, Hester right. was that. 
even though it's a yeah, specialist, yeah. I understand. And look, um, there's there's Hall of Fame offensive linemen that will never get in, right? That are more valuable maybe to winning games than Devin Hester was, except for of the course. few games where he actually returned kicks for touchdowns, which you know in, in the end isn't that many over the course of his career, even though he's the best at it. But he was the best at his thing. And so for that, I think you do give him the nod. Patrick Willis was the best linebacker in the league for a time. So I think that's why you put him in. Tony Baselli, the best left tackle in the league for a time, right? And that's what you want in the Hall of Fame. This guy was the best in this blank era, and that's what it says on the plaque, right? Uh, being pretty good for a long time, to me, doesn't move the needle. So that's why when I look at these classes, that's what I'm looking for. Was this guy the best in the league at what he does? Yeah, yeah. Patrick Willis, yes. Devin Hester, yes. Tony Baselli, yes. So that's why I agree that those three should go in it gets a lot more difficult after that especially at wide receiver because there's so many guys that are so good Holt Wayne Andre Johnson I understand the arguments for them getting in and they were more valuable to their teams than Devin Hester was but there was other receivers that were better a lot during their time so it's hard to differentiate differentiate those um, and I think in the end, a lot more wide receivers will end up going in because that's not the criteria that the voters really use. So in the end, I think all three of those guys might go in, but it's harder for me to vote on them because you can't just slam dunk, say this guy was the best at his position. Yeah, receivers are tough because this is the the golden era and the numbers are massive. And, you know, I mean, there's just guys after guy after every year. And, you know, Bruce went in last year and I thought, Holt was better than Bruce, although they're close. Mm -hmm. I picked Andre Johnson over Holt and Wayne just on the theory of if I'm a corner, I'd yeah. much rather play against Holt and Wayne than I would Andre J. Yeah, he's just scarier. He's a beastly, yeah. beastly dude. Um, but with with how many wide receivers get in and the level that you have to play at to be a no-doubter for me to meet that criteria in the Hall of Fame, I think a, I would leave a lot of wide receivers off my ballot, which I don't think voters actually will yeah. uh brian young by the way he was that but interior defensive line version so brian young i think has a, a stake to this although i don't think he will ever get in either uh willie anderson He's in that richard seymour mold where it's yeah. just hard to make the case hard yeah. to be his lawyer it's it's too hard for the dirty work players mm -hmm. um interior defensive linemen and offensive linemen to get in the hall because there's not the stats to point to. So it hurts Willie Anderson, hurts Richard Seymour, hurts Bryant Young, and I totally get the arguments from any Patriots, 49ers, Bengals fans that would say, oh my gosh, this guy has to be in the Hall of Fame because they were that important to their teams. Yeah, agreed. Uh, again, this is the first time I've really looked at this, I'm behind. I'm a little shocked with how weak it is. There's no slam dunks in this list. Yeah, it is a weak class, and I think that'll help yeah. some of these older guys that have had a, a tough time getting in. Yeah, that's why I think Baselli, who I've been told has been knocking on the door every step of the way, but they put, decide to put Hutchinson in, Fanica mm -hmm. in. You know, the, the, voters are reluctant to put two of the same position, which is also dumb and you know probably strengthens your arguing about the Hall of Fame being dumb. And it's, just put the it's, best guys in. It's so tough for Baselli. So if he just instead of getting hurt and his career got shortened, if he just played average for five more years, is he a right, no doubter right, right. getting in? You know, um, and well, it's I think almost, he's at the Ogden Walter Jones level. If he, you know, he only played, he only had five good years, really. Right. Yeah. He, he was drafted in '95, and basically 2001, he was done. Um, and the Jags remember, put him up for. Uh, the expansion draft. Yeah, they they almost did him a favor by taking his salary off of the expansion draft because exactly. he wasn't he had this huge salary and he wasn't going to play, so he was just on IR right. for the Texans after they drafted him. Um, that is, but it's almost um, it, it's more impressive, right? You have a short career, but you're that good. 
Right. Yeah, put him in. So Baselli, I think, gets. The I line. think this is his year. Yeah. Year. We'll Just see. I mean, nobody else here is a better case than him. Uh, what were they again? It was Baselli, Hester, Willis, Ware, and Andre Johnson. Those are Matt Williamson's five. I would put Seymour in over Baselli, but I don't think that's how it's going to go. Gotcha. Because Seymour's my guy here, but I I think I'm on a very weak lip. Yeah, I don't think Seymour will get in. But the the Patriots and the coverage they got everybody knows Seymour knows how good he is. He's got rings. I think the rings might help him get in in the end, even if it's not this year. I know the Patriot folks will often say, look at all the super Steelers in, look at all the awesome Niners in, look at all the Packers from the sixties. And we don't have nearly as many people. Yeah. But times have changed and their, and their dominance was over a 20 year stretch. And I mean, obviously Brady and Gronk and those guys are going to go, but I don't know if they had the star power of your Niners, my Steelers, the Packers before them, you know, the Aikman Cowboys. Yeah, and there's also some very good 49ers players that probably won't ever get in, too, that, that did Craig, win a lot of rings. Like, yeah, Roger yeah. Craig. And actually, Bryant Young's one of them. He only has the one Super Bowl because yeah, yeah. he kind of showed up after the 80s um, dynasty. But, I mean, just if you're just drafting players, I, I might take prime Bryant Young over prime Richard Seymour they're both really good players and both that similar mold of you know three tech five tech type of guys that um but they were both studs and Bryant Young was unblockable for a time and he had that gnarly leg injury um that, that changed the second half of his career or I think he probably would be in the Hall of Fame I'm sure you remember this fondly too but after the Niners um added Smith the the, uh, the defensive end from the Bengals that went to Missouri Justin Smith you know he's oh, another right. one of those type of players that's so good, but is never going to put up awesome numbers. Yeah, you know? I mean, half of Alden Smith's sacks were because Justin Smith just basically right, grabbed right. two offensive linemen and allowed him just to run free to the quarterback. He's so yeah. good. He's so good at that. Yeah, you make everybody else on your team better, but you don't statistically stack up. And there's a lot of that with Richard Seymour and uh, and Bryant Young at times. So, and I, every- I'm a Wilfork supporter too, and I don't think he, I think he was up this year and didn't get this far, so mm, he probably never. That's even go, tougher. Yeah, those really tackles. Tough, yeah. Wow. All right, so good stuff. Have. That is the Hall of Fame class of 2022. We'll find out who actually gets in. More Super Bowl coverage coming this week. How did they get here? How were the Cincinnati Bengals and Los Angeles Rams built very differently? We'll cover that tomorrow. We'll get through our preview and picks of Super Bowl 56, plus which prop bets we like this coming Super Sunday. Thanks for making us your first listen. Matt and I back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.